0: The nonprofit MBA purpose is to provide new business insights and fresh creative ideas for executive directors and their teams that will help them improve their organization. Here is your host, Stephen Holastic. Welcome, everyone. My name is Stephen Holastic, and I'm co founder and managing partner of Financing Solutions. Financing Solutions is the leading provider of lines of credit to nonprofits, small nonprofits in the United States. Our line of credit program is easy, inexpensive, and costs nothing until used, making it a fantastic cash backup plan for your nonprofit. If you'd like to learn more about the program, please visit us at nonprofitmbapodcast.com. And if you decide to apply today, we will even give you a $250 credit on file. Or feel free to give us a call at 862-207-4118. Just remember the time to set up the line of credit is now, not when the emergency actually comes up. Um, So, uh, you know, everybody out there, the, the line of credit program in the United States that we offer has become so successful. It's, you know, I can't tell you how many times and we're rated five stars on the BBB, the Better Business Bureau and on Google Reviews. And it's a really, you know, amazing product that. And I'm not trying to sell you on it. Either you need it or you don't. Um, it's an amazing product that people that become our clients are always so thankful that we're a company that provides it to small nonprofits, which is really, really needed because they they really can't get approved for this type of product anywhere else. Um, today, I'm very excited to be speaking with Alex Agidis. Alex uh Now is that wrong? Because yeah, sorry, it's Simon, right? Yeah,
1: Simon Simon Scriver.
0: Yeah, I'm sorry for that to the listeners. Uh, Simon, what happened was uh, Simon has a um, an agent. And I think her name is Alex. Is that correct?
1: Well, Alex is our, is our head of marketing. So I think oh. uh, she was she was the one who had originally been talking to you guys about the podcast.
0: Yeah, I'm sorry about that. Uh, That's sorry, right. But Simon, uh, I appreciate that. And Simon, just uh, spell your last name for me. S C R I V E R. And pronounce it for me, server. Scriver. Sorry. Scriver. Sorry, um, I apologize for that. Um, so anyway, that's, that's not a, the best start to a podcast. First time I think I've ever done that. So that's cool. Um, anyway, so, uh, Simon, welcome to today's nonprofit NBA podcast.
1: Thank you, Stephen. Should I call you Stephen or should I, ma- should I make up a name for you? As yeah, well? Alex is fine. That. Yeah.
0: Let's just call each other <laughs> Alex to avoid. <laughs> anyway. Uh, very good. So, so Simon, uh, 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 tell me a little bit about your background first before, tell our listeners about your background.
1: Yeah, sure. So so I mean, I'm a professional fundraiser. I've worked as a professional fundraiser for the last, oh, it's, it must be coming up to 20 years, maybe about 18 years that I've been a professional fundraiser. Um, and I've worked in-house in charities, and I've worked uh, on the agency side, and I, I worked as a freelance consultant for a while. Um, and my career kind of took me to the point where a lot of my time was spent training fundraisers or you know coaching nonprofits and helping helping nonprofits with their fundraising as opposed to doing the fundraising myself um and organically out of that has grown um i suppose our our two new our two new efforts which is i suppose really really what people are, seem to be most interested in at the moment so we set up a um fundraising everywhere a few years ago so i'm i'm one of the co-founders of fundraising everywhere along with Nikki Bell and fundraising everywhere was really about getting um, you know, fundraising training and knowledge and resources available to people around the world uh, at at an affordable price um, and just, you know, good, high quality stuff. So I I love going to conferences. I speak at a lot of like AFP conferences and a lot of, you know, international fundraising conferences and things like that. But one of the problems we spotted very quickly was that um, most charities can't afford to go to these trainings. They can't afford to fly out to them. They can't afford the tickets and things like that. And so the reason Fundraising Everywhere came about and then our virtual event platform Everywhere Plus came about um, was was really just trying to help charities and fundraisers with their reach and trying to, you know, take advantage of this virtual world, which was, believe it or not, before COVID. Um, and then when COVID hit, obviously, people got very interested in virtual. And I think that's why we've been kind of on podcast after podcast and, and you know, lots of people getting in touch with us because... Um, because virtual is such a new, scary world for people, but it's just—it's uh, something that that's been part of what we've done for a while.
0: So uh, I would imagine that your business exploded.
1: Hmm. It did. It used to be basically it used, for me and Nikki, my my partner it was it was a side project, and it used to be maybe five or ten percent of our time on it, and um, you know the rest of the time I was working directly with nonprofits and I was speaking at conferences and things like that. COVID basically flipped that. So all of my kind of in-person work fell through. And then this has just been dominated by it. And now we're up to, you know, we have about 10 staff. We work with a bunch of freelancers. And so the last few years have been been really strange just because, you know, especially around the Everywhere Plus side, our virtual event platform, Everywhere Plus, so many nonprofits and fundraisers and charities and, and other organizations had to get online and had to connect with people through video and through live streams and virtual events. And they just didn't know how to do it so yeah it's um it's it's been a you know the covid years have been crazy anyway but this has been feels especially crazy
0: now you you're uh, to our listeners uh simon is based out of ireland and so i would think that because you're based out of ireland and you've you know really kind of done this for a number of years you're, you're so well positioned to kind of Ha- handle the virtual fundraising world is that accurate
1: yeah i think i think we had the advantage that you know we'd been doing it before covid so whereas most people a lot of people were taken by surprise by having to switch to virtual and having to learn it you know we already had that in our back pocket which was great but i think you know more than that i think one of the reasons being in ireland has been an is is because ireland is it's a small country and there's not you know there's not a whole lot of a fundraising sector here there's not a whole lot of training here so for me in my career to get my personal development i had to go to international conferences because there weren't that many things online that i could go to uh, and then as a junior or up-and-coming fundraiser i couldn't afford to fly to these conferences i couldn't afford them and and i i'm a father you know so i have a 10-year-old son and and for me it's just you know I'm the sole carer of him a lot of the time and it's just not possible for me to fly. So, so my, 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 partner, Nikki and I, that was a big driver for it. You know, she, she's from the UK, she lives up North. So not in London and, and in the UK, most events are in London. And so, you know, all this stuff we saw, there was an inaccessibility in the, in the sector and beyond the sector where it's like, you have to live in a main city. You have to maybe not have carer commitments and you have to have money to go to these things. And that was really what our virtual event platform was born out of was about giving people, you know, giving people who couldn't travel or for whatever reason, giving them the same opportunities that that the you know, those of us who are in a position to travel could get. And so that's been really interesting. And the response has just been so positive because because it turns out there were loads of people around the world who had kind of been neglected for these opportunities. And and a lot of charities followers a lot of their supporters are in the same boat they can't afford to travel to the events or you know they might be a carer or they might be sickly themselves we work with hospices and they and and we work with people you know cancer charities and so a lot of the people who know their services they don't want to be going to large crowds of people especially during a global pandemic and so we we think there's a future for this and it, it worked for us you know before covid and and it's become really obvious to everyone that virtual You know, virtual is here to stay. It won't replace real life conferences, but there's, you know, it's a way of bringing more people into the, into the mix.
0: So, So today's topic is virtual fundraising trends for nonprofits. Um, so right off the bat, why don't you, uh, tell us the, one of your favorite or one of the most popular trends that you've seen recently, uh, when it comes to virtual fundraising?
1: Yeah I mean I think that the biggest the biggest thing and this is not exactly the answer you want but the first thing is that people are doing it you know so so it's a new trend that people are even running virtual events and taking this seriously and and in fact like some some people who are doing them are seeing better results than they got on their real life events you know they're hitting targets that they hadn't hit in the real life events because with virtual the costs can be so low and you can have unlimited attendees and so the the first trend is the fact that they're actually uh, doing it, which is which has been interesting. But I think people are becoming more sophisticated with this. And one of the things that I find really exciting about virtual is that it can be from anywhere to to anywhere. Do you know And so when you organize an event as a as a nonprofit or as anyone, you can get speakers and you can get footage and you can get people, you know, coming into it that are anywhere. So you can suddenly take people on the tour of the projects that you're working on. You can suddenly like, you know, have a a, a local beneficiary speaking at the event when in the past they couldn't have been there. I mean, we we ran an event ourselves and, and one of the one of the gentlemen speaking on it, he was talking about uh, Not- Notre Dame Cathedral in, in Paris. He was talking about the fundraising efforts that they had done. But he actually presented from Notre Dame Cathedral. So in the background, when he was speaking, you could see the actual Notre Dame Cathedral. And it sounds like such a minor thing. But for me, that's really exciting And that it's like, wow, suddenly our speakers can be anywhere. And then our attendees, you know, they don't need to worry about getting to London or getting to New York or getting to a central place. They can actually dial into these events around the world and actually have have the same, you know, see things that they couldn't otherwise see. And I think that's the biggest trend that, that we're seeing right now is people realizing that uh, a virtual event is not a webinar with someone sat talking to their laptop. I mean, it can be, but we can bring it to such a, a really interesting level where we have different speakers from different parts of the world in different environments around them. And, and it's fascinating. It's amazing to see what people are doing now.
0: Yeah, I um, I had a podcast with somebody. I, either we were talking about virtual fundraising or it just came up in the conversation. And I was really, I thought, like the the ideas that were coming up for virtual fundraising, I was like, I, I'm a very creative person, but I was like, wow, that's a cool idea. You know, or because I was talking to, I you know what happened to came up in the conversation because I was saying how, I had just gone on to a virtual conference for, the, for maybe the first time. And um, and I had, I had three days. I knew it was coming up, and I was excited to be in, at the conference. And I'm like, okay, great. I can do, my, I can do emailing while I'm on doing the conference. I'm at the conference. At the end of the day, I didn't know what the conference was about. I was <laughs> so, you know, distracted. You know, and I was like, "Oh my God, I can't! I'm not gonna be able to do this anymore. I'm gonna have to go to conferences if I really want to get enough out of it." But what's weird is that you know, I do have my cell phone there, Mm -hmm. right at the conference. I do Mm -hmm. have my laptop. I mean, I could be doing, but I don't know. It it was just really distracting, and um, but you know, when I you must be. Be coming up with so many creative ideas to make the virtual conferences, I'm sorry, virtual fundraising so interesting. Yeah, I think I think it's like,
1: you know, it's kind of because because we're all guilty of that, you know, when you log on a webinar, we're all guilty of multitasking. And then you find yourself that you're not actually really paying attention unless something really draws you back in. I mean, I think that that's an alarm bell for us that you kind of, you know, we you need the quality of these uh, these speakers and the content. You need it to carry people and get them to focus it. But I think we also need to kind of like almost reposition what these these events are because if, you know we do think of them as a as a Zoom webinar, you know, and it just feels like another video call. Then yeah, you do kind of multitask. But I mean, we've seen events, we've had clients run fundraising events which are like comedy nights or gigs or things like this. And their attendees, a lot of their attendees are like streaming them on their TV. You know, they're projecting them to their TV or or casting them to their TV. And so it's much more of a, again, of an event than this thing in the background. And so getting people to do it. But I think like one of the trends we're seeing, and I think this is only gonna become more predominant is people now, and I include myself in this, we're a two screen people now, you know? So when I watch TV, I'm also on Twitter. Yeah. Or I'm also on social engaging. And when I'm at a, a virtual, when I'm at a real life conference, you know, and I'm looking at the slideshows, whatever, I'm also on my phone and interacting and virtual events are no different. And so, we, you know, we we almost have to lean into that and think like, okay, well, what can people be doing on these virtual events as well as their mobile phone? And so some people will be watching it on TV and then in the chat box on their phone. Or we've had people who, are, you know, we've had like um, QR codes, simple things like QR codes on screen, where it's like take your phone out to scan this. So you're not disrupting the event, but you're still maybe making a donation or, or casting your vote or something like that on your phone while you do it. I mean, even, uh, you know, we tested the thing last year and, and this is something I want to do more of is, you know, we sent out stickers to some of our um, uh, um, peeps, some of our, our fans and stuff. And these were like NFC stickers. So when you tapped it during an event, it would trigger something else. It would trigger like unlocking content at this event or unlocking downloads or unlocking what was ever relevant on the screen. And so, you know, depending on when you tapped it, it was triggering something different on your phone. So, you know, I think it's like we the world is a noisy place now and it's like, you're not going to change that. You kind of have to work with it. And so there's lots of things that we see, you know, things like making shorter events, you know, much more punchy events. Gone are the days of hour and a half webinars. You know, anything more than a 45-minute webinar is just, you know, it's no good. You need to be changing speakers. You need to be keeping what's on screen interesting. You need to be active so that people actually stay engaged. And and
0: it's not easy. It's a good idea. I I like what you're saying. If they're going to have two screens, not to be manipulative here, but it is. Um, it also adds incredible value. Um, but if they're going to if they're going to be on two screens, you know, why why not try to control both screens, right? Um, so it. it I, I get what you're talking about. And uh, you know, I remember now. Uh, had to be about ten years ago? Um, I went to a really great conference at MIT, and <clears throat> they were using uh, at the time interactive, real time. Uh, uh, Surveys, yeah. So they, you know, and I thought, wow, this is a room of 60 people. They're asking them all these different questions. We got to see it in real time. And then we talked about the results. It was very interactive. And listen, I'm a big yeah. learner. I mean, I, I just, and I think that, you know, and I have a, a son who's going to be graduating this year from Boston University and, um, and he's a big learner too. And I just think mm-hmm. that, New technologies, you know, that colleges and high schools, which I think they've really actually have done a good nice job with, they need to really adapt these new technologies t- to really help kids power learn and adults. So, um, you know, it's it must be a lot of fun to do to see some of your uh, virtual fundraising raising events. It must be very creative.
1: It, it's cool. I mean, it's like you know, it doesn't always have to be about doing something really special and creative and crazy. You know, sometimes it's just about getting. It's it's a solid way to connect with people. And and we, you know, we do find sometimes with 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 events, you know, people who use the Everywhere Plus platform that we're almost downselling them. You know, they want to add the metaverse <laughs> and they want to add this and they want to add that, and and that can just be overwhelming for attendees. So it's finding the balance of you know what really adds. To adds value to this event but it's always fun just kind of trying to put these pieces together and see what works I mean we, we had an event um, a couple months ago for, it was one of our own events around arts fundraising so it's very much targeted at people fundraisers for museums and heritage sites and things like that and one of the things that we have at that event is a virtual museum so this virtual museum that you can go into and walk you know virtually walk around look at the exhibits and the exhibits are curated by uh, a guy Derek Humphreys and basically each one of those exhibits in that virtual museum is, is a lesson, is a learning towards fundraising. So it's like that kind of creativity really, really interests me about how we hold people's interests, how we kind of work with people who learn slightly differently. It's not just like talking at people um, for, for a couple of hours. It's It's that interaction. It's the ability to then connect with the speaker afterwards. It's like you said, those interactive surveys and polls, things you can kind of virtually walk around. All that stuff is fun, and I just like seeing what's out there and what what's going. But it's like, as someone you know, I know you're you're into kind of your tech and the, that kind of future thinking, like me. But it's it's interesting because sometimes, as the tech person, I'm all, I'm trying to scale down the tech. Wow. I'm trying to say, you know, take take it easy. It's like this is this is not necessarily what's important to your donors. You know, the most important thing to your donors isn't necessarily fancy bells and whistles. It's about feeling like they're connected to the work and feeling like they have some impact and they can see what that impact is going to be, if they're going to make a donation to you. And that, that's fascinating.
0: Yeah. I, I, um, I didn't, uh, I'm not the type of person who, who says use technology for technology's sake. I, you know, it really needs to improve the material. And, and, and so I can see where you're, what you're talking about. And that's where I think the exciting part is, I am mean, to be honest with you, I'm a little bit surprised that your clients are coming up with so many other new ideas, you know, I would think that that's really your company's job to introduce that. And I guess, you know, what happens is I guess they start to hear what you're saying and then their minds start to start to kind of roll and be creative. And they're like, well, we can do this. We can do that and this Mm -hmm. and that. And I would think, too, that I guess you have to be cognizant. And let's face it. uh, Is it is it true that a large majority of donors are a, a little older and so maybe they're not as tech savvy. So you gotta be kind of a little bit careful with that too.
1: Yeah. I think, I think it's like, and it's not even, it's not even necessarily older, but obviously older people have more money, you know, they're shown to kind of give more money, but it's not, it's not even always an older thing. Like people, people, people are different and people take on information different. And some people just, you know, they may might be tuning in from somewhere with not a very good internet connection or they might not be able to access You know a a computer that is really high spec and can handle the metaverse and so it's just about about you know understanding that and kind of taking that into account i mean our our job yeah like our job is to show clients what the possibilities are with virtual and and essentially the possibilities are endless if you want to do it you can probably do it there's a way to do it for a certain price but i think what our job really is is not not talking them into creative ideas or talking them out of creative creative ideas. I always see our job as like putting the attendee first. So, you know, when people come to organize these events, they do what they want to do. They do what they like. And what we we try and get through to them is that, you know, they are not the target audience. They are not the attendees. And just because you like this kind of video meeting room, or just because you like this, it doesn't mean your attendees are going to respond to it. And the, and the flip side is true of that is just because you hate virtual events doesn't mean that your audience do- hates virtual events they might all you know really appreciate that they can do them we you know we're, we're seeing that argument happen a lot around the world at the moment because uh, so many real life events uh, who, who went virtual they're going back to real life because the organizers like real life events but they're leaving their audience behind, the audience who are really appreciative of suddenly being able to access these virtual events because they maybe have a disability or they live in a different country or they can't afford to travel. You know, that we have to consider them. And so it's the same with every aspect of the event. It's like, what do we want the attendee to feel in this? What do we want the attendee to get out of it? And what do we want the attendee to do? And with fundraising, you know, it's it's usually pretty clear we want them to donate but it might be about you know them getting their company involved and and so it's a, the the event is always about okay how can we achieve that how can we make that most likely to happen and sometimes that does require fancy tech or a nice little plug in or a nice little add on that's going to you know really show your work in a way that others can't but sometimes it's not sometimes it's literally just pudding a beneficiary in front of the camera and them telling their story. And it could be the simplest of things. That's still going to be really, really effective. There's not, there isn't one rule. And I think that's, that's why people appreciate us because it's not just, they're not on their own going onto zoom and running something They're they're working with our experience. They're working with what we've learned from hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of events that we've put on. Um, and I, I think that's, that's the benefit from it. There isn't one way to do this.
0: Do you think, um, something that you said really caught my attention. And that was, um, what is it? What you said it early just now. It was like, what type of feeling do we want them to come out of the conference? Right. Mm. It was something like that. Right. Yeah. And, um, do you think you had that same approach prior to, um, the fundraising, a virtual fundraising explosion?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's something that's drilled in as a fundraiser, you know, and, and, yeah. and in and in marketing and things like that. You're always, you know, you you're always not that you're tr- not that you're trying to get people to do stuff all the time, but you're always, you know, part of your work is okay. What are pe- where are people? What do we want them to think, and what do we want to like them to feel, and what do we want them to do? And so, you know, that might be, it might be donating, or it might be signing a petition, or it might be introducing someone, or it might be volunteering, you know, whatever it is. But but in marketing and fundraising and all this stuff, if you're not clear what you want people to do, then they're certainly not going to be clear about it, do you know? And so if you try and run an event that's everything for everyone, you're going to find that it doesn't please anyone. I mean, I know one of our clients, they tried to put on an event and it was it was aimed at, Uh, uh, parents of children who were affected by uh, um, uh, various things, but it was aimed at professionals and medical people. And it was aimed at people who were personally affected by. And so, you know, really interesting, but yeah, it's, it's hard. You can't, you can't put on something that's like that, or, you know, you have, you have serious amounts of time where it doesn't apply to each person. And so very much our advice for them was to kind of, again, like maybe not even simplify it, but break it up and know who this is for and what you want them to do what is the purpose of this and you'd much rather you know you'd much rather have a virtual event with only five people who take that action and do what you want them to do rather than ten thousand people and none of them none of them get anything from it so it's like it is about that it's being really clear about the goals of this but that's the same with all fundraising and i don't i don't think it's like a covid special i think it's like that's just good fundraising you need to have a very clear call to action and you need to help people on on their way with that
0: yeah i can now i can see too like uh virtual fundraising i uh, and I, I don't know if this would be a trend or not but it allows you to do a lot of segmentation right so mm-hmm. if you had three different types of uh constituents um or donors or whatever you can You know, you can use the framework for the virtual event, but maybe, you know, tailor the message much more. Whereas if you went to a major conference, you have to have breakout rooms and, you know, people are separate. I mean, that could be a value too. believe me when you have a doctor talking to, you know, a parent, uh, Mm. you know, and they're they have two different. But that's a value, too. And I guess you could do that in some type of virtual setting, too. But what so this is the million dollar question, I'm sure that you know I'm going to ask you and that is um virtual events will they be as prevalent as they are now once this covid situation hopefully uh goes away
1: Yeah I I mean I think you have to be realistic and 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 say no mm-hmm. You know I think I mean I get I I've I've been talking about this quite a lot recently and and the thing I keep referring to which I keep forgetting the name of is that te- is that graph that you see of of tech adoption and every tech has gone through this thing where yep. it starts off with the early adopters and then it kind of rockets up and everyone's done it which in this case was completely helped by covid because out of necessity everyone done it did it but i think it's finding its equilibrium now you know i think like like last year the way some virtual events performed was just was unreal you know what they brought in and the success and i I think it would be hard to top that you know it happened at a time where people literally couldn't leave the house and they had literally never been to a virtual event before so i think i think it would be hard to top that but i think we're finding equilibrium now which means a little bit more work to make these virtual events work in the same way real life events take a bit of work to make them to work but then i think we will see it start to gradually go up but you know it's hard to imagine virtual will ever compete with a world where there was no other option, where you couldn't leave the house, but I think it's it's proven that it has its place. You know, it, it's not to replace real life events, but it's to almost complement them. You know, you can run both, and it might be a different audience, or it might be an audience that feeds into each other, or you know, they're, they're related. But there's there's benefits to both, and so you know, we're I'm going to continue to speak at real life conferences and travel to these real life conferences where I can. But I can't always, and 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 it's good to know that there's virtual stuff out there that can that can pick me up from there.
0: You know, um, I heard this within the last year in the United States, the third biggest industry in the United States is the nonprofit industry. Yeah, and I, it's not that I was really surprised to hear that. Um, I don't think most people talk about, you know. Nonprofits when they're talking about industries and mm-hmm. and so as we all know the last several years the the you know the big talk is the has in the nonprofit sector has been the you know how much you're competing for donors now mm-hmm. and you know you would think now add the virtual conferences to the in person conferences and the, the all the newest technology in order to get a hold of people to catch their attention boy it's it's getting hard <laughs> you know
1: yeah it's 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 interesting i mean it's the same progression that happened you know when email got introduced when social media got introduced like if it, it feels like a lot of noise but you know fundraising you're like stepping away from virtual i i do a lot of training on fundraising and work with a lot of people in fundraising and fundraising, no matter what the medium, no matter what's coming in the future, it's always the same basic stuff. You know, it's about making a connection with someone, you know, in the way that what they want to be connected with and giving them an easy way to achieve what they want to achieve. You know, everyone wants to change the world. Everyone wants to make the world better. You know, everyone sees stuff that they they um, they see as an injustice or they, want, they see that it needs to change. And our job as fundraisers is getting in front of them and presenting it in a way that makes the most sense to them and, and is accessible for them. And I think, you know, that stuff is going to happen that we can't even imagine, you know, that it's not real-life events, it's not virtual events, it's something, you know, the singularity that doesn't even exist yet. But the same thing will happen. You know, humans give to humans, and humans, you know, give to things when they get emotional or angry or happy or, you know, when something, when something tr- is feel felt inside of them that's when they take action and that might happen on social that might happen on virtual that might happen in real life but it'll it'll happen everywhere I think the fundraiser's job is to realize okay each of these mediums works in slightly different ways and how can we get our messaging across in the most effective way so you know where we've seen you know virtual for people who've moved into the virtual world where maybe it hasn't worked is where they've tried to replicate perhaps exactly what they were doing in real life, or they've just simply tried to speak to Cameron and and hoped that emotion has got through, but you have to do things slightly different. And so, like I said, like even just dropping a camera into the project, even, you know, having someone show it instead of telling about it, things like that work in fundraising and, and no matter what the medium that it'll stay the same. So, yeah, I mean, things change and things get noisy and, and, you know, it's tough out there, but it's like, we've seen with clients that so many people having so many successes and, and people saying that like, you know, in terms of fundraising across the board, that last year was one of the most effective years they've ever had. They have brought in more income than they've ever brought in as fundraisers. So there's stuff that works, but we're just, the challenge, I guess, for fundraisers, there's so much to learn now. There's so much to learn. Yeah. I,
0: you know, I, let me take a step back to it, but I, I want to ask you this question after that. Um, but I don't want to lead, lead our listeners to think that um, you shouldn't walk away from this podcast or what I, you know, what I said earlier. It all comes down to great execution, and so if you are going to, hey, I'm going to be blunt. If you're going to use the the excuse that oh, there's so many people that are getting contacted by so many nonprofits, you know, we're having a hard time. Uh, I, listen, I, I can say this. Uh, um, from experience uh, that is just an excuse if you execute and you come you really do like do some of the things that Simon says and we're going to go over a really good uh, case study in a second I think um, uh, based on the question I'm going to ask there's plenty of money out there for you so if you're not raising the money right now it's not because it's not out there it's there So, so, and and I I had two questions for you and the one I was just kind of curious about has, and I don't know if you know the answer to this, has the amount of people donating money on a percentage of the population increased? So I would say
1: as of last year, you know, as of what's happened last year, I think it's too early to say. And I think a lot of like the benchmarking reports and the things that usually, you know, we keep an eye on throughout the year there, um, it's almost there like the TBC stage. But what's interesting is, is I suppose before last year is, I mean, generally what they say, and especially in the States, they say this, but around the world is, is really giving as a percentage of what people have, and, you know, how much is going hasn't changed in oh, decades well wow. hasn't changed in decades and and you know i always find that incredible that it's like i agree it's just the money is just moving around people aren't getting more generous or less generous it's just moving to different places and it's 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 sourcing in different ways so there, there's some contradictory kind of research out there and you know people pe- people obviously have their own experiences based on on what they're fundraising but as an overall the indication is that, like, no matter what, since the internet got invented, since uh, uh, mobile phones got invented, none of that has had an impact on the bottom line of what's coming in. It's just changed the way people give. And I find that really, really interesting. That's amazing. I would never. But, but even, I, I mean, the digital stuff is really interesting because, I mean, obviously, we have to see what happened with the pandemic. But even before the pandemic, like, people's shopping and people's donating. You know, it was it was still less than 10% of the money that was being spent. You know, people are still cash and checks and bank transfers. And, you know, especially as someone who's so obsessed with technology, it's like still humans are humans. You know, people, people want human connections and they want to like, you know, they still, we're not, we're not changing as quickly maybe as people think. There's a lot of technology going on around us. But we can use that in very like safe, simple ways that complements what we're doing already and what we're doing as as humans. But yeah, it's it's uh, interesting. It's like how do we move the needle?
0: Like how do yeah, we get? Yeah, it's a little give, dis- uh, I'm a little more. disillusioned by that. Yeah, sorry, I didn't <laughs> you know, I'm <laughs> like, I'm like, oh god, can't we just start helping each other a little more? We all yeah. have, you know, many of us have plenty of money and, uh, you know, to just get out of your pockets. And, uh, I I try to do a better job. I, I try to do both, you know, more donations. And I also try to do more, uh, be more active myself, you know, so not just money wise, but to, to do more. And I am doing much more, uh, and donating much more, but, um,
1: be, be careful um, saying that in front of too many fundraisers. You're gonna have lots yeah. of people getting in touch.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, that's all right. Um, I I know what I love to donate to, but yeah. uh, I'm open. Um, uh, so my my second question is going to be a, a the more in depth question, um, and I think uh, you know again, like almost like a case study. What I'd like you to do, Simon, is is uh, take one of your uh, your favorite, your best clients that um implemented a really fabulous uh virtual fundraising event and i'd like you to take us through the start to the finish um you know, where were they when they started and then what what was the event the you know, little details yeah I think that'll be a lot of fun
1: yeah sure and uh god it's it's, it's actually hard to pick because we've had so many different <laughs> events and really interesting ones but the first the first one i think that comes to mind maybe maybe because um because, you know, I know a lot of your listeners are uh, in the US. We had an American food bank who, who came, got in touch with us. And basically every year they would run this um, in-person, almost like a ladies' lunch or a ladies' dinner where they would all wear their fancy hats and they would sit around on their tables um, and, and there would be speakers and they would have a nice dinner and they would, um, you know, they would, they would donate. They would bring in money. And it and it was quite a successful event. You know, they were they were approaching. Um, what was it, God, I have to get the figures. But they, you know, they they were approaching a hundred thousand dollars to being raised each time they ran one of these events. So an in-person event, they're approaching hundred thousand, and they couldn't crack the hundred thousand dollar mark. Um, and then COVID hit, and so they got in touch with us because they really didn't know how to start in terms of moving this virtual or or what what if it was even. Possible to go virtual, so it was very much talking to them about, you know, what who their audience were, what they were trying to get out of it, and it was very obvious that that table feel was important. You know, they were all watching the same show, but they wanted that table feel, and so what we built for them was this event where essentially um, everyone was in their own table, a virtual meeting room, um, which was branded to the person who was hosting it or the sponsor who was hosting it. And then you would get maybe 5, 10, or maybe 20 women in each of these rooms who were watching this show, who were watching the live stream together. So they were interacting with each other. They were all still wearing their hats, which I thought was hilarious. So they were all in their own homes, but still wearing their <laughs> fancy bonnets. And they were, they were watching this event together, having like glasses of champagne, having you know a bit of afternoon tea and stuff. And they cracked the 100000 and they went way above that $100,000 mark um, and they're running it again this year. So I'm really curious to see what what happens with it this year. But it was just that simple thing. It's like their initial reaction was, you know, the initial response, I think, for COVID was just to show the show, you know, show what they had done before. Have the CEO speaking, uh, you know, tell about a bit about the work. Everyone watches it by themselves because that's what we're used to in a webinar. But very much this was about let's make this tables and so even you could move between the tables so you could actually step into another room and see okay who's sitting on this table and who's watching the show here um and so you know it's funny like people are chatting before the show started they're even chatting during the show started you know in the same way you would at a dinner you'd be whispering to each other or you'd be texting each other they were having that conversation in the room and then when the event finishes they're all they're all still chatting and so it seems like su- such a simple one then, but it was it was just it was a great little project because it was like, you know, there weren't many events happening like this with these kind of watch parties. It was it was usually people watching alone or they were talking to each other, but this was actually people watching together. And I and I really liked that event. That was one that I still I just thought it was funny popping into the rooms and seeing everyone all fancily dressed up, but sitting at home by themselves with a glass of champagne. It was, nice. was it
0: cheaper to run than the event that they had done in person?
1: yeah way cheaper you know way cheaper to run these things because you don't have like the venue costs and the insurance and things like that you know that's usually what's kind of in, with in the real life events so it was cheaper and then what happened was it was they were able to get people from out of state to attend so this was what was was really interesting for them is you know it was the same kind of dozens of people who usually attended and a few few people who come in and out But when they did it virtually, suddenly people were bringing their friends and family from out of state who were coming in and making that donation um, through the event page or through other ways. And so that, I think that's why they raised so much more is it wasn't because people were necessarily giving more, but they had more eyeballs on it and more people, you know, involved in it just simply because it was more accessible. And I think that's, you know, accessibility is such a big, big thing for us, not just in terms of. Uh, disabilities but also in terms of people's finances uh, in terms of people's you know life circumstances you know if we do virtual events and we do them well you are opening yourself up to that bigger audience and so you know to your point earlier about there's much more competition out there yeah there is much more competition out there but it there's also it's never been so easy to connect with people and and that's what's interesting is seeing virtual events in Ireland which are getting donations from American donors uh, virtual events in America that are getting donations from Australian donors. It's like, these are, these are truly international events now. And I think, I think that was a big thing with the, with the food bank, um, and their virtual, um, uh, kind of dinner party or, or tea party. It was just, there was so many more people coming in and, and we made it easy for them to experience what kind of what that, that real life tea party had been like. It was great.
0: So, uh, Will would you think they'll go back to the in person event when it, this is all over?
1: Yeah, well, it's interesting. I mean, I I expected that that they'd entertain it this year, but when you when you bring in more money than you did before, <laughs> yeah. why why would you? But Always I would mean, make a change. I, yeah, yeah, and it's so cheaper. I, I, think, yeah. I think like the I think the natural reaction is to do both, you know. And oh. we're big we're big believers in hybrid in, in hybrid, and that you know by doing a you know some people prefer real life events. You know, a lot of people prefer real life events. Some people prefer virtual events or need those virtual events. So by running those hybrid events, you know, by running both, you're potentially opening yourself to a bigger market again, uh, and you're giving the same content or similar content, but to the, to these two different places. And I mean, hybrids are really interesting one. You know, we, we're seeing more and more hybrid inquiries come in more and more people booking hybrid events. And one of the first things I always say to people about hybrid is, do they have to be at the same time? So people think of hybrid as just like a camera on the on the event and it comes through virtually but actually you know in hybrid you you could do that tea party in person and then a week later you could do it virtually and you'd get some of the same people going to both and you'd be able to uh, collect footage at the real life event that you could use in the virtual event um and so there's some really interesting ways that we can build this but you know, we, ha- we have to think a little bit differently and just, and just, you know, not be restrained by what we've already seen, but just think about, okay, what do, what can we do? What can we do with this virtual element now?
0: Yeah. Um, just for our listeners, I, I, ha- I didn't release this last year. I'm going to, cause we're, go- we're up doing the survey. We kind of got it out too late. But we did a survey. We got 300 responses from smaller nonprofits, which are small nonprofits, and our definition is uh, under five million dollars in revenue. So it could be, you know, five hundred thousand dollars a year in revenue, so on and so forth, U.S. dollars. And um, the survey came back. Uh, I don't have the exact figures in front of me, but the question was, did you do better uh, in raising money in 2020? Than you did in 2019 hmm. um and it, it was it was uh over i think it was close to 75 percent of the people said yes wow. and so now we have a new one coming out for 2020 versus 2021 uh so we'll 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 be releasing that soon in a in a, in a press release just uh but you know and it was it was something that i had read that people were giving more money to their, uh, nonprofit because they were worried about them during COVID. Mm. So, you know, I wanted to back it up with real data and that's, that's, you know, we, we were able to show that that was the case. Um, my guess is 2020, 2021 will be like 50% more than 2020, uh, 2020. So it won't mm. be as big. Mm. um but it it, it'll it'll still be people were opening up their pockets you
1: know yeah i think i think like that the 2020 year i think that's going to be a blip on everyone's benchmarking reports and everyone's surveys and things like that like it was an exceptional year where we just didn't we didn't have a whole lot to do there was a lot of uncertainty there was a lot of caring you know people people felt very caring when covid first hit you know that that's kind of gone out the window a bit but you know initially there was there was a lot of generosity there and so you know that all the benchmarking reports i'm seeing that starts to come out around fundraising see like 2020 as a, and and summer 2021 as like a bumper year you know in terms of generosity how generous people were what's going to happen in the future will be it will be really interesting to see but it's like you know people have always been generous and will always be generous to stuff they care about you know and, and our job as fundraisers is really showing them the important work we do you know we're showing them like how effective it is and, and connecting with them with that and if you show them that people respond and i i remember reading this research and, and talking to a lot of clients around the covid time and the ones who really succeeded in during covid were the ones who communicated with their supporters so the reaction of of some nonprofits was to shut down communication during COVID. We don't, you know, we don't want to disturb people who are going through this. We don't want to like, you know, we don't want to annoy them during COVID. And that turned out to be a huge mistake because the, the organizations who were saying like, who were reaching out to their supporters and saying, we hope you're okay. You know, we hope you're managing with this. We want to let you know what we're going through. They were the ones who who raised like record amounts because they were just simply going out to to their audience, and a big chunk of their audience were doing okay. You know, they were they were surviving. They weren't at risk. They had more money than ever because they weren't traveling to the office or buying their lunches every day. And people wanted to help during that time of COVID, but it it required communication. And that's what fundraising is all about: is getting is just getting your message in front of people. And so, you know, that's why I'm a big believer of real life events and a big believer of virtual events is the more people we can get in front of the more we raise. And that's like a a hard rule of fundraising. The more conversations you have, the more you raise. Yeah, I get it.
0: It's good stuff. I learned a lot today. Um, Well, that's all the time we have for today. I'd like to thank so very much, Simon from fundraising everywhere uh, and everywhere plus for coming on today's uh, podcast Uh, If you like today's podcast, please feel free to share it with a friend and also subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. If you're looking for a line of credit, please visit us at nonprofitmbapodcast.com or call us at 862-207-4118 or visit our our website. Um, Simon, uh, uh, if people want to get in touch with you, how would they go about doing that?
1: Yeah. So I'm on, I'm on LinkedIn and Twitter. And so you can just Google me and find me there. Or um, if you go to fundraising that's where our fundraising community and training is, is fundraising everywhere.com. And then the virtual platform itself, uh, everywhereplus.com, And you can get me Simon at fundraising if you want to email me, but always happy to hear, hear people always happy to chat. Uh, and Stephen, any friend of yours is a friend of mine. Oh, so well, that's nice of you to say. say. Yeah.
0: Yeah. People from Ireland are always so nice. Uh, we like, I,
1: I mean, you're listed, do your listeners need to know? We've already started planning your trip to Ireland. So, yeah.
0: <laughs> well, I told, we were talking about that. Um, uh, Simon, just because I, I, I made a mistake earlier, just uh, spell your last name for everybody out there. Yeah, it's
1: S-C-R-I-V-E-R. Simon Scriver, S-C-R-I-V-E-R. It's... I think it's a Canadian name. Everyone struggles with it, but there you go.
0: No, it's pretty easy. (laughs) Try Halasnik as a last name, then you'll say it's difficult. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So, all right, very good. Uh, You know, I I say it at the end of uh, uh, every single podcast that I do for the nonprofit MBA um, because it's heartfelt. And that is, um, I want to thank all our listeners out there for doing the work that you guys do. Uh, You guys are on the front lines, you're on the battlefield, you're doing it every single day, you're making the world a better place. We need more people like you. I know Simon and I are both trying to do our part and uh, everybody, you know, we all need to contribute more to making this world a better place. Certainly has gotten, feels like it's gotten harder and harder and harder for this world to be more connected, but we need more people like you. and I want to thank you all for doing all the heavy lifting every single day. Everybody, um, please try to take good care of yourself. It's a new year. You come first, and then your cause comes second. Um, and just always remember that. Everybody have a fantastic day. I'll be talking to you soon in the next Nonprofit MBA podcast.